Hello, and welcome to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. In this 13th part of a series, Dorje Lopan Dr. Hanlai teaches about the songs of Milarepa, the 11th century Tibetan saint who reached the ultimate state of awakening. The presentation of these profound songs is integrated with teachings on the Guru Yoga of Milarepa Sadhana in order to introduce a more contemplative and experience-based approach to practicing this liturgy. Urban Dharma is a Buddhist temple in the heart of Asheville, North Carolina. We are supported by your generosity and by our online store, TibetanSpirit.com. To learn more about us, come visit our temple in person or look us up online at UdharmaNC.com. Thanks for listening. So now we turn to uh, the songs of Milarepa. Here I have a very nice little uh, bookmark, actually, from Barbara, something that she picked up many, many years ago in California called West Coast Print Center. No page yet. I'm talking about this. So it's a very nice woodblock print of Milarepa on one side. And then on this side, it says, I am Milarepa. I am he who goes forward regardless of others. I am the homeless yogin. I am he who never cares what happens. I am he who never lets go whatever arises. I am the beggar without wealth. I am he who thinks not of external reckoning. I have not any discrimination as to dwelling in this place. I am he who is victorious in all the practice of meditation. I am a crazy man who likes to die. I am he who needs nothing whatsoever. (laughs) I'm he who never lets go. Whatever arises doesn't mean he's grasping, meaning uh, he recognizes everything as they arise. Because we don't recognize, then we get dragged around. So now page 10 of the Songs of Milarepa, we are in the midst of this section called Six Words That Sum It All Up. So, what are these six words? Um, these six words are to be found on page 12. And so they are talk- he's talking about six topics. And these six words are on page 12, somewhere in the middle, that last section for that song, these are the view, meditation, and experience, corrective methods, conduct, and fruition. These are the six words. These are the six topics covered in this song. So we have already looked at view. But let me say, kind of remind you again, how these six work together. Uh, We talk a lot about meditation, 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 meditation. 
Here, meditation means to familiarize and to stabilize. So it's a little bit different, right? From, say, mindfulness meditation done for relieving stress or, you know, managing pain. And apparently that's very helpful for many people. Uh, Here, it's about familiarizing or stabilizing ultimately what? The view. The view, what is the view? The view is understanding the nature of reality. To understand the nature of reality through philosophical analysis, which is something that the Buddha taught. Yeah? To analyze and to realize the nature of reality uh, by analytical reasoning, by philosophical engagement, that is Madhyamaka, for example. Uh, and Chittamatra system, and Vaibhashika, Sautrantika, all the tenant systems, to systematically uh, kind of analyze reality with a finer and finer comb, so that our view becomes finer and finer. So then we realize selflessness of persons and selflessness of phenomena. These are called the two selflessness. Selflessness of persons, meaning I, me, mine, all that, right? In the end, you cannot find this unchanging I that we instinctively think needs to be protected, needs to be taken care of, needs to kind of attend to as opposed to other over there, to see the selflessness of persons. So that it's not just your own person. You also see the selflessness of all persons. That's the first kind of selflessness. The more subtle kind of selflessness is called the selflessness of phenomena. Meaning, so if we no longer see this as a concrete, uh, non-reducible I, then we might then think, oh, whereas I don't exist, the qualities associated with the I, that I am male, so maybe I don't exist, but maybe maleness exists fundamentally. Humanness exists fundamentally. Tall or short or average exists fundamentally. Fat or thin exists somehow fundamentally as qualities. But selflessness of phenomena is pointing in the direction of seeing how all these qualities, all these labels also don't ultimately exist. That I am patient, that I am impatient, that I'm an angry person, that I'm a loving person, all these are nonetheless still labels. And then if you reduce it down to its kind of bare level, then we say all the 50 types of afflicted minds, 
And then the four elements of the body, so the basic building blocks of who we say we are, who we think we are. All those basic building blocks are the phenomena, are the dharmas, with a small d. Those two are selfless, lacking a self. So that's the view from the analysis philosophical tenet system direction. There is also the view that is to be established or to be pointed out through meditation, through more specifically Mahamudra direction. There is not so much pointing about the emptiness of this or that, but rather to recognize nature of mind. And that's what we need to stabilize. Once nature of mind has been recognized, then meditation is essential to stabilize, to deepen, to make that experience constant, irreversible. When you reach that point, finally, then it's what we call Buddha. They give the example of when you smelt gold ore and remove the impurities, no matter how you treat your gold, the ore would never run back into the gold anymore. I mean, you, you might even treat the gold in such a way that it's exposed to the elements, and then, again, a layer of crud is going to cover it, right? But then, it's just on the surface. The impurities that have been removed from gold, when you separate the gold from you know, all the other stuff in, in their natural state, once you've separated that, gold is always just gold. It doesn't go back to being mixed up with the other stuff. When you have reached that point, then we call you Buddha. Before that, you know, we practice to stabilize. So that's meditation. Through meditation, we begin to have experiences. And then we learn from these experiences, meditative experiences. We're not talking about, you know, going to Paris for Christmas as an experience or going to Disney World for Thanksgiving as an experience we're talking about meditative experiences Uh, then in the the course of engaging in meditation on the path uh, problems would arise problems specifically related to practice would arise and so corrective methods are given then while pursuing meditation, we need to conduct ourselves in a certain way. Because we're not just always sitting there on the meditation cushion. We have to relate to everyday life. So when we relate with everyday life, what kind of conduct, what kind of behavior should we have that's conduct? So with meditation, with correct, uh, an experience coming together with meditation, with corrective methods... Uh, to correct problems that arise, and the proper way, the the supportive way, the conduct, all of that eventually leads to fruition, the state of Buddha. So these are the six topics. So last time, uh, we covered um, the view already, but just so we have the whole picture again, uh, I'm going to read through this whole song. 
I prostrate to all the lamas, Lutun and you all, come here and listen well. So Milarepa is singing this song to this person called Lutun and all the others that are with Lutun. So he begins by singing, Do you know what appearances are like? If you don't know what appearances are like, whatever appears is an appearance, not realized, they are samsara. Realized, they are dharmakaya. When appearances as dharmakaya shine, there's no other view to look for. There's no other view to find. No, to look for is the searching part. To find is to finally discover. Right? No more of that effort necessary. Do you know how to rest your mind, which is the definition of meditation? Meditation in this context is just simply resting your mind. To rest your mind in what? To rest your mind in the view that you have been introduced to. If you don't know how to rest your mind with thoughts jumping all around, then let your mind rest uncontrived. Rest with a child's independence. Rest like an ocean free of waves. Rest with a candle flame's clarity. Rest like a corpse without arrogance. Rest like a mountain so still. There simply is no name for what mind is really like. Do you know how, to ex- how experiences shine? If you don't know how experiences shine, they are like the sun waking up the night. You don't need to throw thoughts away. No ground, just like a dream. No fixation, like a water moon. Nothing really there, like a rainbow, directionless, like the open sky. This is how experiences shine. Do you know how to fix it when things go wrong? Here's how to fix it when things go wrong. Strong winds, but all within the sky. Big waves, but all in the ocean. Thick clouds, but all within the blue. Frantic thoughts, but all within the unborn. Thoughts are strong, but nature, but their nature is unborn. Engage in balanced awareness. Apply the teachings for the mind riding the wind. And when the thief of thought comes around, Apply the teachings for recognizing him. And when you lose your mind to something outside, be like the ship captain watching his crow fly. Do you know what conduct is like? If you don't know what conduct is like, be like the great lion, powerful and strong. In the mud, be like the lotus in full bloom. Be like the elephant running loose and crazy. Be like the polished crystal, beautiful and bright. Now do you know how the fruition dawns? Here's how the fruition dawns. From non-thought comes dharmakaya. From bliss itself, sambhogakaya. From clarity, nirmanakaya. From native mind or natural mind, the essence kaya. I'm the one who has got the four kayas. I'm the one who has these four kayas. The scholars can only talk about. The four that can never leave the dharmadhatu. These are the view, meditation, and experience, corrected methods, conduct, and fruition. They shown in this yogi's experience. Now you should practice the same. Now briefly going back. The first one, what is the view in the context of this 
in, in, in Milarepa's context of giving instructions, direct instructions, right? Milarepa did not engage in at all much of those debates on the philosophical level. He found them to be um, kind of unnecessary. But it should also be pointed out uh, that uh, that method is certainly also used. It's just that in Milarepa's case, uh, his kind of realization and his kind of abilities are such that without using much jargon from the philosophical tradition, from the doctrinal tradition, he's able to give very direct instructions. And these instructions, in some ways, you have to remember, were meant for particular individuals. So we have to kind of see where we are, you know, and not quote Milarepa like, you know, we're fundamentalists quoting some scripture. So the first one, the view. What is the view? The view is that that all these sense experiences that we have, what's called here appearances, they are exactly just that, appearances. But when we don't realize that appearances, appearances are simply appearances, that's the beginning of samsara. When Buddhists talk about beginning of things, we're not talking about long, 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 and long, and long, long, and long time ago when things happened. So Buddhist genesis is not about long, long time, and long, and long, long, and long time ago. It's talking about in the immediacy of this experience, right now. So right now when appearances arise, when we don't realize it, in that moment, we have produced samsara. But if we realize that appearances are just appearances, then they are dharmakaya. They are the reality body. Kaya here means corpus, body, substance. So this is dharmakaya, very fancy language, right? But I think, don't get distracted by the fancy vocabulary. We could translate it perhaps as the stuff of reality. When you realize that appearances are simply just that, appearances, then appearances are just the stuff of reality. And there's no other view that you need to work on. If you catch that, if you get a glimpse of that, on the heart level, not just on the intellectual level, on the heart level, and you go, ah, then you already have the view. With that view, now you can rest your mind. Rest it where? Rest it in that view, which is the next word. Then he gives some, he gives some examples of what attitude you should have when you're trying to meditate, when your thoughts are jumping around, don't try to um, make your thoughts stop just like that. 
Instead, he says, let your mind rest uncontrived. Don't try to silence the noise by yelling above it. You just make it even more noisy, according to this instruction. Now, of course, does this mean there is no place in my practice life for shamatha meditation? Yeah, where you deliberately bring your mind back to here. Bring your mind back to your breath. Bring your mind back to your breath. Bring your mind back to your breath. No, there is a purpose for that. There is a time and a place for doing that, for cultivating that, for strengthening that muscle. But, do that with the understanding that actually, the most profound way of not being dragged around by our thoughts is not to engage those thoughts. But it is not not to engage those thoughts by checking out, which we are all very good at. Here, not engaging the thoughts is not checking out, but to be totally present to those thoughts, to those feelings, to those emotions but you don't feed them. You simply witness or watch them. Why? Because when you witness and you watch them, you see what they are truly made out of. And what are they made out of? The stuff of reality. (laughs) The Dharmakaya. So the more opportunities you have to see, yeah, these thoughts, these emotions, that is like torrential, the more you, are, you will have the chances of seeing what? Seeing what? The lack of substance. Huh? Which is seeing reality. the stuff of reality, Dharmakaya. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's a better, or a not better, but there... That practice is very different from plain old shamatha. Yes. But certainly in the more um, kind of um, more um, complete training of the Mahamudra path, you do a lot of shamatha. Because it's easy to think, oh, I'm just going to do this. When in fact you're just being dragged around by your thoughts. So first gain some independence from your thought by training in shamatha. That's not the solution. From there, then you need to no longer drive away thoughts. You just turn up for your thoughts. Yeah? Not just you, me. Talk is easy. But we all have to train, you know. Just be there, present for the thoughts. Then you pay attention. You're not talking, you're not feeding. You pay attention. Awareness. And you you note these thoughts. And then you see. And you look and you look and you look. Then you see the stuff of reality, the Dharmakaya. Right? Because the view already says, when not realized, when you don't realize that there are appearances, then it's samsara. 
But when you realize that they're appearances, not just intellectually, you know, but to really penetrate to the heart that this is just appearances. These are just projections. Then, every time you see projection, projection, appearances, appearances, what do you see? You see the Dharmakaya. So Gamboba has a very provocative um, kind of statement that actually exposed him to criticism from other great masters. Also great masters, you know, like his contemporaries. Uh, But it's so provocative, his statement, that others kind of took exception to it. He says, uh, in Tibetan, it's nam to mang chuku mang. Mang is a lot, strong. Mang po is a lot or strong. Nam to, what is nam to? What is nam to? Any guesses? Chuku is dharmakaya. Nam to mang, chuku mang. Conceptual thoughts. Meaning concepts, thoughts. When there is a proliferation of thoughts, he says, then there is a proliferation of dharmakaya. If you see it. If you see it. So a good time to do that is when you're upset. If you have the power, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Then when you're upset... Uh, then you're like, yippee! <laughs> Another opportunity. <laughs> I know this is kind of a violent example, but I can't think of another one. It's almost like, right? First, right? There's all these wild beasts that you're afraid of. Right? Then you train in shamatha, you train in vipassana. Then now, you know, you are a wild beast hunter. Now you go looking for them. The more the merrier. But of course, you know, he was criticized because others said, hey, a statement like that, falling into wrong hands, wrong ears, can just kind of mislead people into thinking, ah, yeah, I I must be very advanced because I have a lot of concepts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no need to do anything, you know. But before, you can just no need to do anything. Here is a way of no need to do anything. Uh, under meditation, he says, let your mind rest uncontrived, rest with a child's independence. Uh, here is talking about... Um, a child that is self-sufficient. You know, when a child is kind of playing by him or herself, you know, just very content. No need. Of course, the child will change his or her mind in a little bit. But that's not the point here. Here it's like, like a child's independence. They just play. Then like an ocean free of waves, Meaning the ocean is not troubled by the waves, 
But it's also talking about the need to kind of train in letting the flaring of thoughts kind of subside. Because this is like before you are trained, right? To effectively hunt the beasts and the demons. You first, you know, want to let things kind of settle, slow down. So that you can handle better. Rest with the candle's flame's clarity. Not much movements. Rest like a corpse. Don't react to whatever... uh, strong emotions that you have. Uh, Again, it's not don't react by shutting, uh, by ignoring, but with full presence, don't react. With full awareness, don't react. Um, Rest like a mountain, so still. So these these kind of examples, these these you know analogies given, you can even in your meditation think about this. It's just kind of a be like a mountain, be like a candle flame. Right? These are like slogans that you can kind of re- remind yourself. So meditation. Then how do experiences turn up? How do experiences shine? They are like the sun waking up the night. How does the sun wake up the night? Effortlessly. Effortlessly. Just by showing up. Also. It is he did not say like turning on a switch. Gradually. Gradually. Like the sun waking up the night. Mm-hmm. Huh? Gradual in the sense of, not necessarily slow, but gradual in the sense of, you know, smoothly. Mm-hmm. No, no pauses. No hiccups. <laughs> so patience. And you don't need to throw away thoughts. Don't need to Drive them out. Just don't feed them and be present. No ground, just like in a dream. That means no basis. So dreams, there is no basis to them. Um, No fixation, like a moon found in the water. Like, would you fixate on the moon that is reflected in the water? No. Except you, except if you're a bunch of monkeys and trying to save the moon that has fell into, fell into the well. Their Buddhist stories are often violent, so all these monkeys, you know, drowned because they were trying to save the moon that fell into the well. <laughs> Sorry, monkey lovers. Um. Nothing really there like a rainbow. Directionless like the open sky. So meaning, when these experiences arise, don't, don't, don't make it like jagged. Don't make it like, yeah, just smoothly, like the sunrise. Yes? What do you mean by that? Don't make a deal, big deal with them. 
in other words, don't enhance it in any way? Not so much don't enhance, but don't make a big deal. No, don't exaggerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no ground. Don't need to throw away. No ground, just like a dream. No fixation. So in other words, react to them, respond to them with, again, awareness and presence, but don't get stirred up by them. Because these are experiences that are part and parcel of the process of waking up. It's the process that is unfolding. And the jagged experience. It's when we get caught. But if we see through all experiences, including the jagged experience, the jagged, jagged experience actually becomes another insight. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And so you see through it by, again, not reacting to it. <laughs> not reacting to it. And in this way, experiences can shine uh, rather than drag us around. So, you know, if you get caught up in meditative experiences. Yeah? One of the things that I find is is that Meditative experience is not this smooth, gradual. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And what it is can be whatever it is. But if I apply mm-hmm. a proper understanding, yes. then smooth, jagged, mm-hmm. you know, the mind going someplace, someplace, mm-hmm. all the time, it's all fine. If one that's the matter smooth that is talking about okay, here. I understand. Yeah, the matter smooth that is not concerned with smooth or jagged. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so you just see it like you know the sun rising. It's waking up the night. In that sense of like a continuous. Then now it's about how to fix problems. <laughs> Here's how to fix strong winds. So if you feel strong winds yeah, during your practice, so this is more specific to what you're talking about. How do you deal with these? Understand that these are all just winds within the sky. So rather than focus your attention on the winds, focus your attention on the sky. The space that allows for the noise to take place. Recognize that space, which in the context of noise is what? Silence. Can you hear the sound of silence? When a lot of emotions are jam-packed in our heart, what allows them to be there? That space within us. So focus more on the space within us. In this room, we don't see space. We see the things that occupy space. And if we see space, it is in relation to the stuff. Like in between two things, we see space. And only like that, you know. But it's here, kind of uh, in another context, in the Ganga Mahamudra Upadesha, uh, the Ganga River instructions that Tilopa gave Naropa, um, it says... Um, Consider, you know, consider this question, almost like giving him a koan. It says, 
what does space rest upon? This is kind of using what all confirmed Buddhists already accept, which is everything, all the other four elements rest within space. Space is what makes other things possible. And then Tilopa says, but consider this question. What the space itself rests in. So that's the secret. That's the question and that's the secret. Doesn't matter what the answer is. But the search for the answer is what the path consists of. It's that you know you train to what is this space? So here, thick clouds, but all within the blue. All is within that blue sky. Otherwise, there are no clouds. Frantic thoughts, but all within the unborn. That means the nature of mind. Thoughts are strong, but their nature is unborn. They they are not truly there. They are only superficially there. They are only temporarily there. They are only there contingently. Contingency. Every situation we find ourselves in is simply a contingency. But we don't see, right, our circumstances as a mere contingency. We see it as a certainty. Some certainties we like, some certainties we don't like. So then we have to fight false demons and chase false gods. (laughs) Not seeing that everything is just contingent. Contingent on? other contingencies, on other contingencies. And there's no end to all these contingencies. Engage in balance awareness. Apply the teachings for mind riding the wind. Uh, this is a reference to um, more specialized yogic practice. Um, related to those types of let the mind ride the wind and then let the wind circulate in the body, things like that. Like consciousness, yeah. transference, and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But the last line there is important. Be like the ship captain watching his crow fly, or more relevant to us in a way. When you lose your mind to something outside, when you catch yeah, during meditation, but remember this section is about correcting. What are the things you can do to correct your meditation. So when you find that your mind has gone outside, it's gone all the way to Australia now, and you know, with all kinds of, you know, life that you could have there, you know, away from the United States for four years, you know, all of those stories, you know, when you're meditating, you find that you're already there. He says, be like the ship captain watching his crow fly. What does that mean, right? The ship captain watching his crow fly. Uh, 
And this is talking about uh, if you are a ship captain and if you had a pet crow, I don't know why you would want a pet crow, but uh, you could, according to this. Uh, if you are already in the ocean, you don't need to keep your pet in the cage. Uh, so if the pet parrot or crow accidentally got out of its cage, uh, the ship captain is not really that concerned. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. It's, it will come back. And so likewise, in this kind of meditation, Mahamudra, when you find that your thoughts have kind of woo, gone away, don't panic. Don't create more waves to come waves. Don't try to yell above the, wo- the noise right, to get silence. Right? Simply just once your awareness is there, and then it cannot harm you anymore. Whatever the emotion, whatever the story that's happening in Australia, it, it will come back. Awareness will you know, stop that story very naturally and come back. So they say, come back. Do you know what conduct is like? If you don't know what conduct is like, then this is what you need to do. Be like the great lion, powerful and strong. So in some ways you could say, you cannot so easily give up. You need to have great courage. Powerful and strong. Then also be like a lotus blooming in the midst of mud. Don't get dragged around. By ordinary circumstances that might drag other people around. As I said, you know, we have the Dharma, we have taken refuge. Do we want unfortunate things to happen for ourselves, for our community, or for our country, or for our world? No. But inevitably, when they happen, we cannot just get dragged by it and suffer like everybody else. Not that we don't want to suffer so that we can lord over others who are suffering. But, you know, we have to know to say, no, I'm Buddhist. I'm taken refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha. And so I can be strong and powerful for others who need this strength right now. For others who need this support right now. For others who need this encouragement right now. Because I have the Buddha Dharma Sangha, they don't have. It's important to have this kind of pride. This is beneficial pride. Too often, I think we 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 forget this part, and then we all also want to feel like you know, unless I'm wallowing in the mud with the rest of them, it looks like you know I'm not a good person. Uh, unless I'm also self-flagellating, uh, or maybe not also, you see someone being whipped and you go, okay, I should flagellate myself now uh, so that I can be there with you. Uh, no, unless you're into those things, but <laughs> otherwise, no, it's just pain. It's just suffering and you can't help others. 
Be like the elephant running loose and crazy. <laughs> well, normally, of course, you know, Milarepa is playing with this imagery. Because many other places yeah, in Buddha's teachings, it says, don't be like a drunken elephant. And you know, that's a lot more common than you think. Drunken elephants. This is not just some kind of hypothetical example. In places where there are elephants, especially India, quite often elephants are drunk. You know how? Fermented fruit. Exactly, fermented fruit that they have eaten too much. And then when they are drunk, entire village would get trampled. And all the corpses, uh, crops, <laughs> crops, not corpses. <laughs> yeah, and some of those too, exactly, you know. Uh, crops that are planted, you know, if you have a herd of drunken elephants, they destroy everything. But here, be like the elephant running loose and crazy. What he's talking about here is don't let the eight worldly concerns make you a good person. <laughs> the eight worldly concerns make you a good person. Supposedly good. Right? I'm an upstanding citizen. I'm a holy man. When in fact, all you're concerned about is the eight worldly concerns. I don't want people to criticize me. I want people to love me. I want people to like me. I don't want to be censured. And I don't want to be censured and then lose the goodies that I have. Then seemingly doing well. He says, no. Be like a crazy elephant running with no concern. <laughs> Not the kind of no concern where you're trampling on others' happiness. But... Throw these concerns to the wind. Do what you know you have to do now. Milarepa's way. Be like the polished crystal, beautiful and bright. So that other people can be reminded of the beautiful and bright. But your mind needs to be delightful and bright. Despite Milarepa living under very... Harsh condition, conditions by all accounts, you know. Cold, bitterly cold, but he lived in caves. Right? Didn't have very yummy food at all, even when he was famous. But despite all of that, he was polished crystal, beautiful and bright. <coughs> Do you know how the fruition dawns? Here's how fruition dawns. From non-thought comes Dharmakaya. These three qualities, non-thought, bliss, and clarity, are three kind of uh, levels of when you train your mind, when you meditate, you will experience these things. So when non-thought, when, when you experience an absence of thought, recognize that it is, this is Dharmakaya. When you experience bliss, recognize that this is this, what's called the Sambhogakaya. When you experience clarity, meaning awareness actually here, that's nothing but the Nirmanakaya. Of the three, it is said that Dharmakaya, realizing the stuff of reality, Realizing the Dharmakaya is 
beneficial to yourself. Yourself, you're liberated. Then when you're liberated, you manifest Sambhogakaya and Nirmanakaya for the benefit of others. So the bliss and the clarity or awareness that you experience, that is for others. Then the absence of thoughts, that is for yourself. And those two are inseparable. And hence, from the natural mind, that's the essence kaya. The essence kaya, the swabhavika kaya, the fourth, the fourth body, the fourth yeah, corpus, is the three inseparable. And he says, I actually possess the four kayas, whereas those scholars just talk about it. <laughs> so he says, these are the six words, and I practice them. And they shown in this yogi's experience. I have experienced them, he says. And so you should do the same. You should follow the same. Any questions? The fruition one is, you know, kind of more informational. Right? I mean, the others also seem kind of informational, but there's a little bit more in the others, what you could kind of use. But the fruition is like, you know, when the fruit comes, so don't worry about it. When the fruit comes, you can just taste it. Now, don't long for the food, the fruit. Let's take a quick break and stretch our legs, and then we will do the last two songs in the last hour or so. Thank you for listening to the Urban Dharma NC podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting our mission to foster a deeper understanding of the teachings of the Buddha, to build meaningful community, and to integrate contemplative teachings into everyday life. We invite you to make a donation online at udharmanc.com or make a purchase at our store, tibetanspirit.com. Thank you. May all beings benefit.